Now, as Christians, our viewpoints come from the Bible, right? What, what we believe and the reason we believe something, it's not because we're so, we have this staunch opinion, we have this firm opinion, but it's based upon the Bible. Our worldview, the, the lens to which we see the world and have opinions ought to be rooted and grounded in the scriptures. Yes, that makes sense? Our stances on things, our reasons should all be formed based upon what is contained in this book. And today, we're going to talk about a topic that for the rest of your life, that the world that we live in will try to convince you that it is acceptable, that it is normal, and that it is right. And your stance, if you stand on the Bible... Your stance, biblically based, will make you look like the abnormal one. In some circumstances, it can make you look even like the immoral one, the one who doesn't care. And I've told you guys before that in our country, in our world, we are the minority. We are not the majority. The, the majority of people in our world and in our nation do not believe what the Bible says. And for you guys, you will experience the effects of that. And today, we are gonna look at what the Bible has to say about life in the womb. Does the Bible talk about the topic of abortion? Does the Bible say that life begins after birth or before birth? This is a big topic in our culture right now. And as a Christian, what should our stance be on this issue? Now, there are some topics and issues in the Bible that the Bible is silent on. There's pretty few, but there are some. And for us as Christians, then we can kind of determine in our own lives what that looks like between us and God. But on this topic, the Bible is anything but silent. Even if we were to look at this from a scientific standpoint today, Okay, let's say I told you to close your Bibles and look at it from a scientific standpoint, we could come to the same conclusion that the Bible comes to. Why? Because the God who created everything, science itself, is the same God who authored and penned the Bible. Now, I'm not sure if you guys know or realize that January is um, Sanctity of Life Month, okay, or the Preciousness of Life Month. Uh, this Sunday is Sanctity of Life Sunday, which is all about uh, life in the womb and, and what we think about it and, and what God thinks about it. And so that's the topic we're going to look at today. Uh, and we're going to look at it through the, through the lens of Scripture, right? Because if our stances have to be biblically based, then you might have a stance that you say, no, I, I believe abortion is murder. I believe that a... That that there is life in the womb, that life begins at conception. Let's say you believe that, but do you know which scriptures to point to? You might say, I I know that because I have heard that, but it is so important for you as a believer, not just to know things because someone told you, but to know it because you have read it and studied it for yourself. And today, uh, we're gonna look at the, one of the most prominent passages in Psalm 139 regarding the topic of life in the womb. All right, let's pray. God, we come before you and Lord, we um, are just humbled to think that, that you're here with us, that you are 
as the Bible say, hold, Bible says that you are holding the universe together by the power of your might, that in you all things consist. But you are not a God who is just great and far away. You are a God who is near. And we pray that through your word, that we would see what you think. We would have your perspective and that you would give us your heart. Lord, that we would be passionate, loving, and we would be like Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray that as we approach your word that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said? Amen. Amen. Now, there are many passages, both Old and New Testament, to which we could look to and see what God thinks about this topic. However, the most prominent, I believe, and the most clear uh, is within these verses. Psalm 139, if you don't know about it, is an incredible psalm, if not one of the most famous song, psalms up there with Psalm 23 and, and others like it. This is a psalm w- written by David in the Bible, and, and David starts out this psalm. If you notice, we're going to start in verse 13, but there are 12 verses prior to verse 12, uh, to verse 13, and he begins talking about, in the very beginning, about God's intimate knowledge of his own life. He says, God, you know when I wake up in the morning. God, you know when I fall asleep at night. God, you even know my thought before I think it. You know the words of my mouth before I say them. And then he, he goes on to write down about, how, how, about the omnipresence of God, how that God knows him every ways, every way and uh, everything about David. And then he writes about how there's nowhere that, that he could go where God isn't, whether it's in the highest part of heaven or the deepest part of hell, that God is there. And this brings us to our text today in verse 13. You guys have your Bibles open? What we're going to do, we're going to read verses 13 through 18, and then we're going to read it again in the New Living Translation, okay? And this is going to help our full understanding of what's being said. Sound good? Look at verse 13 in your Bibles. The Bible says here, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they, were, they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Now I want you to close your eyes. And for real, close them. I don't want to see your I don't want to see any whites of your eyes, all right? Close them. Now I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. 
How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, you are still with me. I believe that this scripture gives us such a clear picture of God's work in the womb. Uh, And we see this in verses 13, 15, and 16, okay? In verse 14, there's something else that takes place there for a moment, but I want you to see God's work that is laid out in these verses in the womb. First in verse 13, he says, for you formed my inward parts and you covered me in my mother's womb. Do you guys see that in verse 13? Okay, those are two very important parts of, uh, of this this work that is taking place in the womb. The first thing I want you to write down, the first work that's happening is, is that God is forming, okay? So, or formed. He, he formed my inward parts, so formed. The second one is that God's work in the room is that he covered, okay? So David's looking back. This is divinely written, and he's looking back to before he even had knowledge, and he says that you formed me and covered me. And these two things are distinct and important for us to understand. Now, if you see that word formed, right, that means to create and to bring into existence. And he says that you have formed my inward parts. Now, when just reading that without looking at, okay, what, what is he referring to as inward parts, looking at the original language, you would think, okay, that's like, you know, what's inside of me, my heart and kidneys and different things. And in the Hebrew language, it refers to the kidneys or heart. It, it's the idea of the deepest part of who you are. And what's actually being said here is that he forms someone's inmost being. And if you know anything about the Hebrew language, when this is being referred to, it's referring to someone's soul and spirit of a human, who they are. That this has to do with the immaterial part of a person. That, it, that when the body begins to be covered by God, which we'll learn what that means in a moment, that God forms, brings into existence the soul of a person. Let me, let me explain. If you guys uh, heard of that new movie that just came out, I know we're not going to move. Yeah, Soul. Raise your hand if you've seen that movie. Okay, I don't necessarily recommend it. It's a little odd and weird and has some bad theology in it. It's, it there's some good parts. Right? For a Pixar movie, I'm like, okay, there's a lot funnier ones. Um, but there's some really funny parts, okay? Um, but nonetheless, if you watch that movie, the whole concept is that in this, right, in, in not earth, in heaven of what you could call it, that there are these souls that are waiting to be put into a body, okay? That is not how it works. It's not that right now, right, there's this little department of heaven where there's these souls waiting to get a body. Your soul, who you are, was created at the moment of conception, Okay, at the moment, at the very beginning of your mom, beginning, before she even knew she was pregnant, that God brought into existence who you are. You did not exist before that. Okay, you are not, and you, are, uh, you will forever live, but you had a beginning. And your beginning was at this point. Okay, you didn't wait. It's not like you were waiting in heaven. Oh, man. You know, and then, and then God erased your memory and he put you into 
a, a little baby, okay? That's not how it works. The Bible says that he forms us, but also, and that's referring to the immaterial part of a person, but notice that second part of verse 13. Look in your Bibles. He says, you covered me, and this word is amazing. The idea behind that God covers us when we are in the womb is the idea that he weaves our bodies together. He begins to knit our bodies together. It's a figurative extension of weaving together a piece of cloth with yarn or thread. It's specifically referring to the structure of how a body grows. Does anyone in here uh, like really sew and or knit or anything like that? Like not just, oh, I sewed a button once, but like, no, this is something I do and I know how to do it. If you know anything about sewing, you have to be very careful, right? You have to be very precise with every, everything that you do. I don't know much about it, but this is the idea that's being talked about here, that God in the womb, supernaturally in the natural process of things, was involved with the putting together and the structure of our bodies before we ever entered out into the world from the womb. Now, maybe you've never done that. Have you ever tried to put a thread into the eye of a needle? Okay, I don't know if my fingers were made too big, but that is not something that is easy, okay? It's like, you're like, you have it like right next to your eyes and you're like, I, I can kind of see the hole and there's the thread and you're trying to put, you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, it's the idea that it is intricate, okay? It's not just like, I'm gonna color in the, pa- the lines in a coloring book, okay? That, that the idea here is, is weaving and knitting and forming and something that takes skill and has intricacy behind it. Now, what's amazing about verse 13 is that verse 13 shows us that the soul and spirit, the, the, the immaterial part of a person is created at the same time that the body begins to be woven together by God. Now, I believe this is very significant. God's attention to detail of the very person in the womb, that these things happen simultaneously. It doesn't happen that, okay, right before birth or right after that the soul and spirit of a person comes flooding in and, they, and the soul and spirit of the person meet with this, this, this uh, tissue that has been forming and now it's a person. Now at the same time that the beginning of this starting to take place, God forms the immaterial part of a person. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? The, the detail that we have contained in verse 13. Yes, is it awesome? It's pretty awesome. I love that our God is detailed. And then we see in verse 15, he says, notice verse 15, he, he continues with this thought. Okay, verse 13 was this pause. We'll look at it in a moment. And then verse 15, he continues. He says, my frame, or that's my bones, okay? He says, my bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Meaning, the idea of the frame, right? Think about how, how something is framed, okay? It's your structure. The idea is that God was aware of every part of you growing in your mother's womb, though unseen. God was aware. 
No one else could see it unless they had an ultrasound, right? New technology is pretty cool. We can see that stuff. And he was aware of it. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen someone who's pregnant before. I would think so. Maybe you've had a, uh, maybe you're an older sibling and you've seen your mom go through the whole process and you're like, yeah, this is crazy. Uh, and, or, or whatever it might be. Maybe it's an aunt or an older sister or whatever. But if you know anything about this, this process, you know, it's always interesting that, that the, the mom and dad, they always want to know like what's going on inside, right? They can't see it. So ultrasound, super exciting, but they always want to know what the details are. Like they, they things like, oh, my baby is the size of an avocado, right? My, the, my baby is the size of a grapefruit right now. And they, and they kind of want to know what's going on. So you see, God knows. God knows every detail. That as you were being uh, formed and created, God was superintending over every part. Now notice here in verse 15 that he says that a baby was made in secret, Okay? The idea is that the mother's womb is designed by God to be a hiding place, to be a place of shelter and safety. In that word, in this idea of the, if you even see the lowest parts of the earth, and you're like, what the heck is going on? Uh, if you look at verse 15, it's the idea here that there's an implication that in this place of shelter that God has created in in a woman, is a place of protection from danger. Danger. I want you to take note to this. Here, David uses that phrase, lowest parts of the earth, and it refers to any mysterious or, or, mysterious or unseen place. It's that process of a baby's formation in the mother's womb that has always been unseen, right? It's, it's always been something that's unseen until now more modern day technology, but how even more with the technology that we have do we know what's going on in the womb? We know, but God knew all along. And do you notice how it says that he skillfully did this? Do you see that word skillfully in verse 15? I want you to look. I want you to really see this word. Okay, that word skillfully. It's the idea that, that he intricately and skillfully did this that the Hebrew word is actually the word that's very closely associated with the word embroidered or embroidery. It's the idea of being exquisitely composed of bones and muscles and veins and arteries and all framed with wonderful skill. That God did that. God was a part of that. Every single baby that is born, God is in that. What we seem look at is a natural process. God is supernaturally doing that work. And that's an amazing thing. Now, this might bring up the thought of those who are born with some kind of birth defect. Right? If God is superintending, if God is involved in the details of a baby being formed in the womb, then what about birth defects? What about when someone is born with an injury, born with something wrong? Well, we shouldn't consider these things as part of God's original design, right? It's not that God was like, well, this person, I'm going to have them have uh, this deformity. It's not part of God's original design. Similarly, just like a person may be injured outside of the womb, so someone can be injured while still in the womb during that process of formation. And these things occur not because God's design, 
but because of the sinful and fallen world in which we live. Yet it's been said before that even in this, even in difficulties that surround many, many births with a variety of different issues that might happen, it's been said before that the eye of faith can still see the hand of God at work in these defects and injuries that he allows in his providence. Does that make sense? It's not that God has designed that. It's not like this, is, this was my original design. But it's the fact that we are born into sin and we are born into a fallen and broken world. Does that make sense? And then we have verse 16 that talks about God's work in the womb. I want you to look at it one more time in, in your Bibles. And it talks about how, how God had seen, right, your eyes. It's talking about God's eyes. That he saw the unformed substance. It's the idea of that, that beginning fetus. It's, it's life with an, with an unformed body. Okay? It's beginning to be formed. And he says that all the days of a life were written out in God's book before one day is yet lived outside the womb. Okay, think about that. Before one day is lived outside of the womb for you, for me, for everyone who's born, God writes out, he plans ahead, he has desires a path for you to live. God's perfect knowledge, okay, did not only extend to the past before David was born, it also extended into the future, and God knew David's days as if they had been written in the book. And there's a similar verse in the New Testament that lines up with this. It's Ephesians 2.10. And it says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, this did not start once you were born. This started pre-birth. That your days were written before you were born. That God had plans. It was both the past and the future. Truly, it is life in the womb. Make sense? You guys tracking so far? These are awesome verses. Now, we skipped over verse 14, and that's because it was kind of a pause, right? We saw God's work, but then David pauses because of just verse 13 about the, about the forming and the covering of God in the womb. Now, David pauses in verse 14 and he has this praise. He has this wonder of God's work. He's amazed. Verse 14, notice it says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. It says that he praises God, right? He, because right, David's a man by this time that he's writing this. And he's looking back. And divinely, he has this understanding, even thousands of years ago, God has been with him, not just since the moment he was born, but before that. And he's thinking about this, and he's thinking about God's hand upon the whole process of things. And, and in that moment that God is, or that David is writing this out, and, and, and in this act of worship, he says, you have fearfully and wonderfully made me. He says, you have fearfully and wonderfully made. And you're like, fearfully? I, I don't really understand that. It means to be in awe of. Okay? So fearfully means that there's just this, I, 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 no words. I, I can't, it is, it is, there is an awe to it. 
And then wonderfully is that it's distinguished, okay? It's, it's, it's like nothing else. It's both awesome and like nothing else. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon. Oh, here's, here's a little definition for you. I'll come back to that, okay? Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon before. Raise your hand. Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Now, if you ever go to the Grand Canyon, I've actually never been there, but this is kind of what I've heard and what I expect from other things that I've seen. Uh, I actually have been there, but I was in the womb, so the vision wasn't that good. Um, and, uh, you know, when you go there and, and places like that, it almost, doesn't it almost create a fear because of the awesomeness and grandness of it? You start to feel real small real quick. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's fearfully made that you begin to think about the creator who did that. Or what about Crater Lake in Oregon? Have you guys ever been there? I've been there. Uh, it is an awesome thing. It's, it's the result of a lake being uh, formed because of a crater hitting the earth. It's, it is an awesome site, um, amazing place to visit. Or what about the Nepali coast? Anyone ever been to Kauai? Kauai, it's the farthest west that you can go in the United States, in Kauai, Hawaii, okay? Kauai, and it's called the Nepali Coast. It is where a lot of Jurassic Park movies are filmed and things like that. It is incredible, okay? A lot of those shots that are in Jurassic Park are not fake. They're not like CGI created. A lot of them are shots from this coast, and it is considered one of the wonders of the world. It is amazing, and there's this awe about it. There's this, this is fearfully and wonderfully made. What about Yellowstone National Park? Anyone ever been there? I've never been there. I'd love to. Uh, I've heard it's crazy. There's things going on there, geysers and different crazy things. Uh, there's this awe about it. What about animals? What about elephants? Have you guys ever watched the, the Elephant Queen on Apple TV? Oh, you should go watch that. If you guys have a subscription to Apple TV, uh, it's really, it's really kind of odd, but it, it's pretty cool because it's the story and they have elephants and it is pretty cool. Um, but it's amazing when you look at the elephant and, and there's this awesomeness about it. Or what about giraffes? Have you ever seen giraffes before? It's insane. I'm pretty sure they have like two hearts or something like that. Uh, amazing animals, right? And, and we can look at creation and have that same kind of thing, right? We can have that, man, this, there is something awesome about it. But there's one creation above them all, and that's you. That's a baby. That's, that's you and me. Okay, that though, though all those things are awe-inspiring, if you know just a little bit about the makeup of a human being, okay, not the makeup that you put on your face, but like how you're made, okay, how you create, if you know a little bit of science behind the eyeball, that, that science cannot replicate anything like you, though you were made completely from dust. You see, you are altogether wonderfully and fearfully made. And notice when God is talking about this in the word. Notice when David is talking about how we are wonderfully and, and fearfully made, it's when he's talking about babies pre-born when he's talking about they're pre-born. He says, marvelous are your works. It's extraordinary. And then we see in verses 17 and 18 that in the same line, the same thought of things, right? He talks about God's work. 
He has that moment of pause in, in verse 14 of this wonder. And then in verses 17 and 18, he just seems to be carried off in, in thinking about how God thinks about him. He says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more numbered than the sand. He says, when I am awake, I am still with you. He says, God, how precious or, or valuable are your thoughts towards me? Meaning God is thinking about you or I. He says, how great is the sum of them? He says, more than all the grains of the sand, meaning it's innumerable. And you're like, wait, why, why is this connected? Because God has been thinking about you since before you were born. He says, every morning I am still with you. And I like that. Do you see that at verse, in the bottom of verse 18? He says, I am still with you. He doesn't say, God, you are still with me. He says, I am still with you. I like the difference there. So why does, God, why does David follow the passage about God's care of him with God's thoughts towards him? It's because God's thoughts and presence with David didn't start when he was born, but when God first began knitting him in the womb together. You see, in my opinion, these verses are the most clear verses in the Bible regarding God's view on life in the womb. And you need to know them. You need to memorize them, know the reference, know where to find it in your Bible. However, it is not the only passage by any means. For the sake of time, we're not going to look at every passage that has to do with this subject, but I want to give you a few more, okay? Because it's important. Remember, any stance that we have, any reason that we believe something has to be based upon what the Bible says. There are a lot of uh, outside reasons to be against abortion, a lot. Scientifically, morally, let's, let's shut the Bible. We could talk about it. And there is a very, very strong argument, okay? But we always start with the word of God. Now, I want to show you just a few others. Isaiah 44, uh, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah declares this twice in chapter 44. If you notice, he says, Yet hear now, O Jacob, my servant, he's talking to the nation, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord, who made you and formed you from the womb who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. Just note, note that. Formed you from the womb. Okay, similar language. And then again in chapter 44, you can note down verse 24, says it again. He says, thus says the Lord, your redeemer and he who formed you from the womb. Why is he starting there? Why doesn't he just say who has been with you since you were born? No, he, he's talking pre-birth. Okay, he's talking uh, about the pre-born here. And we see God's clear hand in the formation of every person in the womb, all right? Uh, the, the next passage I want to share with you, and we're just going to go through a couple of these quickly, is Jeremiah 1.5. This is God's word to Jeremiah, and I think they're very interesting, okay? Just, just read them uh, as I read them in, in your own mind. It says this, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Okay, so this is even pre-beginning to form in the womb. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Now, if God knew Jeremiah and began to set out plans for him before he was born, and even prior to that, 
how much more while he was being formed in the womb? And you see, these are some awesome verses for us to keep in mind. But I got to say, one of my favorite verses, which actually, uh, you're, there's a guest speaker in the main sanctuary. His name's Frank Turek. He's talking to your parents about this uh, topic today, and there's some uh, different uh, things that he's bringing up. And he brought up my favorite passage to go to when thinking about, okay, yeah, is it really a life in the womb? What, what does the Bible have to say about that? Well, I love the story of John the Baptist, and there's two verses that for me just, just make it so clear. And even there's other things surrounding this. But hopefully you know a little bit about the context. Luke chapter 1, okay? Uh, there's Zacharias and Elizabeth. They are the parents of John the Baptist. And when the angel of the Lord appears to Zacharias in Luke 1, the angel tells him, okay? He says this, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. How could God fill someone with the Holy Spirit if he's a clump of cells, if he's a mound of tissue? How could God do that? God doesn't fill with the Holy Spirit inanimate objects. He fills people. He fills lives. And it says even from the womb. Isn't that, that's amazing. No? It's kind of a trip, right? It's like, oh my gosh, it's so clear. What about Luke 1, He says, he says this. So the situation now, and, and, and a few verses later, Mary finds out her news, right? God is beginning to grow a baby and me, and that baby is God also. So, and she's tripping out. She goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth. And upon arrival, uh, something happens, and Luke 1.44 records Elizabeth telling Mary this. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting, right, Mary comes in, hi, Elizabeth, I got some news for you. They're both pregnant ladies at this point, sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. How in the world does a clump of cells leap for joy if it's not a life? How does, how does that happen? The Bible uses specific terms here. And I think even looking at this, why do you think pregnant women, okay, play music, speak to their baby? Modern science has proven that it is possible to communicate with your baby while it is in the womb. They even suggest, okay, play music, speak kind things, play educational things, speak soothing things to your child while it is in the womb. Scientists are convinced that a baby, which is a life, in the womb can not only hear you, but is actually can respond to this kind of stimulation. This is evidence of that on a greater scale. And so what you believe, which I believe most of you probably would be like, yeah, abortion is murder and wrong. But now you have some scriptures that you can stand strong on that foundation. Because what if there's a time where mom and dad are away? What if there's a time when you're off to college, you're an adult, and you're like, yeah, I, of course, abortion is murder, and, so, murder, and someone asks you why, and, and you begin to crumble. So you need to know these scriptures. You need to know, no, I, I matter, you can think John the Baptist. No, if John the Baptist is in Elizabeth, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's leaping for joy, then, okay, do you understand? It's important that we, that we know this stuff. 
Now, it's safe to say, I think, by the end of this study that, that the Bible has a lot to say about the topic of abortion. As Christians, what do we do? Right? We've talked about, okay, this is what God thinks. This is the biblical perspective. But what do we do about this mass injustice? Okay? Because right now, there are hundreds of abortions taking place across our nation. Okay? I think it's something like 365 a day right now in America alone. That's not, I don't even think that's worldwide. And that's, that's murder, right? If, if this is what the Bible says. So what do we do? This, this great evil that plagues our world, what is our role? Do we sit in silence being content of not being part of it ourselves? Or are we to act? Are we to do something? Well, it's clear from scripture that God creates life in the womb. That should be our viewpoint. But I think something important before we even talk about what do we do about this? I believe there needs to be a predetermination in our own heart. Uh, the scripture says, Daniel 1.8, Daniel, it says this that, about what Daniel did, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I would strongly encourage all of you guys, between you and the Lord, that you would determine that abortion would be something that you would never be a part of. And you're like, oh, I, of course. I think it's important that we, that we put those stakes in the ground, that even today becomes that day we're like, no matter what situation I'm in, no matter what great evil has been perpetrated, no matter what I, where I find myself, Lord, I'm, I'm going to predetermine that this is not something I'm going to be a part of. No matter how much someone might convince me, no, it's just a lump of cells. No, it's, it's, it's no big deal. It's, it's your body, your choice. It's your right. This has to do with healthcare over and over and over again. That you would determine, you ladies and you guys, that this would be something that you would determine, God, I'm not going to defile myself in this way. I'm not going to sin against you by taking the life of another. But what else do we do? Well, Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, I think we start there, right? We start with ourselves always. We always start with ourselves. But the Bible says this, Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, it says, open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. We are to say something, the Bible says, for those that can't say anything for themselves. This is not just for those in the womb, although it is applicable. Psalm 82, you can note it down, 3 and 4 says, We are to defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, and free them from the hand of the wicked. You and I, as men and women of God in this world, we are to defend and to deliver. And over and over again, I'm going to share with you another verse. Ephesians 5.11 says that we are to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That you and I, Jesus tells us that we are to be the light and the salt of the earth. What does that look like? What, what, do we, what do we do in that area of things? Well, first we have to be convinced through the scriptures that we are to do something, and we are. We're to be the light in the darkness. We are to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. We are to open our mouth, to defend and to deliver. And we ought to be bold. Okay, the Bible says that, that the righteous, those who are on the right side with God, they can be as bold as a lion. If you've ever seen a lion, they're pretty bold, okay? They're usually not too scared of too many 
things. But on this topic, we are to be bold, but we are also to be sensitive. Sensitive to those who maybe have had an abortion and regret it. To those who have participated in that and regret it. Or, those, or someone who has done it and, and really was lied to and deceived and convinced it was no big deal. So we are to be bold, but we are to be sensitive, right? Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says that we are to walk in wisdom t- toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. We talked about this just a few weeks ago. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. You see, biblically, we know our stance on this issue. And we should be bold. We should speak up. We should defend. But we should always be sensitive on, on how we do that. Does that make sense? And that, sh- and that goes with not just th- this sin, but, but all kinds of sin that we might deal with. You know, I'd encourage you, if this has never been a conversation with you and your parents, maybe you've never talked to them about this topic of abortion, life in the womb, I want to encourage you to go home today and talk to them. Just see, see what they think. Share with what you learned, with what we talked about today. Even turn to Psalm 139. You can go through it. You can be like, hey, mom, dad, you know when in verse 13 it says formed and covered? That's also talking about the immaterial part of a person, their soul and spirit, and that's happening at the same time. So it is like whatever, okay? Does it make sense? Just start that conversation. See what they think. Begin to have that perspective because uh, this is an issue that is only increasing and it is an issue that we're to be... Uh, to, to do something about. So before I just say, you know, open your mouth, we're to do something. I want to give you five ways you can actually do that, okay? And I want you to write them down, okay? The first thing is that you need to know, okay? You need to know the scriptures for what you believe. Not just, oh, well, my mom told me that abortion's wrong. No, I know it's wrong because I read in Psalm 139 that God is involved in the formation of that, of that what you call a clump of cells, of that baby, it is a life, and you need to know those scriptures, okay? Uh, and you need to know and, and be educated even on, on other things as well, scientifically, uh, which also backs up this same case. So you need to know, it's important, that you go and look at it for yourselves. Second thing is what we talked about, you need to determine, okay? And you're, before God wants to use you to speak and be involved in anyone else's life, you determine in your own heart, God, this is something I'm never going to do. And I think those are good things to do. You know, even for me and my wife, before we got married, we talked about, we predetermined before we got married and made that commitment. We said that divorce would never be an option, that that word would never be talked about. It would never be threatened. And that was good because now it's, it's not even a thought, right? It's not something that, that we're gonna bring up. We predetermined not to do that. And for you, they're not just with this topic, but anything, God, I'm going to predetermine I'm not going to have sex before I'm married. This is a predetermination. God, no matter how cute that guy is, no matter how cute that girl is, no matter what situation I'm in, it ain't happening because I want to obey you. And with this, that, that no matter what situation I'm in, no matter how difficult, no matter how convincing, God, this is not something I'm going to be a part of. It's, it's your own heart first. Thirdly, I encourage you to pray. Hey, pray for those around you. Pray for the babies that are being murdered in our country and, and pray that, that God would 
as a national forgiveness. God, would you forgive our sin of, of abortion, of, of this baby sacrifice? It's what it is. And that you would pray that, that Planned Parenthoods would be turned down, whatever specifically how God might lead you, but prayer is important. The fourth thing is to talk about this. This is something that as, as you get older, people, I'm telling you, are going to con- try to convince you of the other way. You will be the abnormal one at some point in your life. And so you need to talk about this. You need to talk about it with your parents, um, ask them questions, all that kind of stuff. And the fifth thing is extremely important, and it's actually do something, act. And you're like, but what do I do? I'm in junior high. There's a handful of things, Okay. Um, and especially you being at this church gives you more opportunities for that kind of thing. One of the things that you can do uh, immediately after service ends is you can go down to the courtyard, and on this side, okay, you know there's two sides of the sanctuary? Those are those black covers that come out. Okay, there are a handful of different pro-life ministries. Go to the table. Begin asking questions. Ask, hey, what, what can I do? What, what things are available? Okay, there are a lot of things that you, even as a junior higher, can be involved in. They do prayer walks. They, they stand out in front of abortion clinics and they're there and, and they're able to inform women before they go in. Just yesterday, uh, a group from this church and, and a handful of people, uh, I believe they, they turned away, uh, they saved three babies that day, yesterday. And that's an amazing thing. And we can be a part of, of things like that. Um, you can support financially and you're like, uh, I don't have that much income. Well, I was talking to someone before service and they were uh, they were tithing and they were saying, yeah, I get t- 10 bucks a week to, to mow the lawn. And it can be a portion of that, that you, okay, I know about choices, this, this, this pregnancy care center. You see, one of the things that helps uh, women know what they're doing when they're, when they're thinking about getting an abortion, when they have what they would consider an unwanted pregnancy, when they, when they have something that they're like, they don't know what to do with, and they're like, I, I think it's fine, like I'm just gonna get an abortion. The, the statistic that happens when a woman gets to have an ultrasound and they get to see the baby and actually see the unseen, the statistic, what happens when they get an ultrasound, the likelihood of them still having abortion is very low. And so a lot of these organizations, like Choices among many others, which you can find down in the courtyard, they provide free ultrasounds so that women can come in and see their baby to get informed. And so we can do something about it. For you, you can volunteer. You can, you can go to those different things that might happen around here at church. But you got to have a little bit of interest, okay? I'm not going to lay everything out. You have to go to the table. You can come and find me after, okay, this is something that as you were speaking, God was putting on my heart. I want to do something about. Um, then do it. Let's do it together. Make sense? Any questions? All right. This is important to the heart of God, and it should be important to us. Let's pray. Father God, we, um, well, we just want to pray as this is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And Lord, we do ask for forgiveness. Lord, not for our single actions necessarily, but for our nation. Lord, we, we know that, that you are displeased for the, for the actions as a whole. Because you are for life. Jesus said that he came to give life and to give it more abundantly. We know that you are a God who is all about life and you, you hate the death. Lord, you, you hate the fact that you have these babies that are coming into the world and you have plans that they're written in your book, yet they are never fulfilled because they are squashed before they ever have a chance. Lord, it is a horrific evil. 
Lord, we pray that you would help us to determine in our own hearts that it would be something that we would never be a part of. Lord, that you would help us to, to do something about it, that we wouldn't just say, oh, that's too bad. Lord, but that you'd give us opportunities and you'd give us the, the faith and the obedience to, to, to be a, a part of giving options, of, of, of praying, of, of informing, whatever that might look like. Lord, we just want your heart in this. And so, Lord, would you, would you lead us and guide us however you see fit with that? And Lord, whatever these students' roles are to be, Lord, would they do it in love? Would they do it in grace? Mm-hmm. And would they do it by the leading of your spirit? So we look to you now, and we thank you for the life that you've given us. We thank you that you are a God who is, who is for life. We thank you for your detail in our life, your involvement since before we were born. Lord, knowing that, that that's not different now. Lord, though uh, we're older for a lot of these students, Lord, you're still forming them. They're still growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to get taller and deeper voices and all kinds of different things. Lord, and you are so focused on every detail of their being still. It hasn't stopped. It's not been one moment that you've seized, Lord, that your thoughts towards them are great, are precious. Lord, remind them of your great love for them, for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.